Welcome back, everybody, to the Ball and Breakfast podcast. I'm Patrick Miller alongside Wayne Pua, as usual. Uh, tonight, we have a special guest. Uh, we have Dan Shufton from Telescope. Um, he's in Chicago and, and uh, you know, running sponsorships uh, revolving around sports. I'm going to kick it over to Wayne to, you know, further introduce our special guest for tonight. But, you know, it's looking forward to kind of diving into some new topics around sports business and then, you know, covering Chicago sports like we normally do. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Pat. Um yeah, uh, I think I first encountered uh, Dan, I, I think it was at State Street Sports on Twitter. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that was like the first discovery I found of him. Just thought he was like really, really interesting, I think, regards to the sports business world, sports in general. Um, you know, I think I met him at a bar once, and, you know, uh, just I guess had a nice conversation there and then just followed up with him and his career journey, I think, more on like LinkedIn a little bit. Um and, you know, just got really involved on the sports business, posted really great articles on LinkedIn and on Twitter, uh, a great follow overall, um, very insightful. Uh, I think just, you know, I, so I browsed on your LinkedIn just a little bit, just to kind of go from there. But I know you graduated from Northwestern with a sports marketing degree. Um, you know, you're currently serving as the VP of sales and new business uh, for Telescope. Um, you know, uh, you can definitely... Talk more about that for sure. I know it's like an award-winning marketing agency working with a lot of businesses, you know, within sports and, par- and partnerships, things like that. Um, great follow. Uh, I think you have like, what, 30, 40,000 uh, social media followers, something like that. Uh, something. From what I've seen. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, just come, kind of coming from there, uh, just what, would love to hear kind of like your career journey. How did you get started in like the sports business world? Um, and yeah, just kind of take it from the beginning, I, w- I would say. Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, Wayne, I, as much as I love Northwestern, I am a graduate of the University of Kansas, the national champions. So that is truly <laughs> much more important than anything having to do with Northwestern. So, um, <laughs> so rock chalk to you. Um, so that's a lot of questions. I'll do my best to give you the journey. It's been a fun journey um, from from the state street sports to telescope um so i grew up um in deerfield went to school uh son of a lawyer and a big fan of jerry Maguire as a kid and arliss absolutely love the show arliss on hbo it's great stuck you have to watch it girlfriend who's now my wife would make me watch sex in the city and obviously arliss would come after it so you have to do the double package Fine, fall asleep for the first half hour, then pay attention during all this. Great. So um, I always wanted to be a sports agent, and my goal coming out of school was to go to law school. That was the trajectory I was going to take. Um, I wrote a long note to Chicago White Sox. Basically wrote an, a note to Brooks Boyer, who was basically just starting in 2004, talking about all the various ways and means why, I think it was on Yellow Pad. I don't I don't know. Maybe I typed it, but this was very pre pre. It's the old days. Anywho, um, typed about all the various ways I could help if he brought me on to the Sox. Diehard Sox fan. Dad's from the South Side. Grew up on the North Side. Have a chip on my shoulder. Fought off Cubs fans my entire life. Um, understood and really wanted to dive into the business. Um, I ended up before you know taking the 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 LSAT, did a little tennis pro. And one day I got a call from 
the White Sox for an interview, and lo and behold, I ended up at the White Sox in 2004 and 2005, which I am the good luck charm. I truly believe it was because of me. Um, but, you know, seemingly um, I was an intern. I was uh, worked in ticket sales and sponsorship, and it's definitely a, definitely a different year. And when your goal as a kid was to work for the White Sox and your first job out of school was working for the White Sox and they won the World Series, it, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, left the White Sox, you know, we saw the hurrah. Um, I didn't want to work on the team side. Um, did a few things, uh, worked for Hyatt and procurement. Um, and then 2008, I went and attended Northwestern and get a sports marketing degree. Um, and that's when the crash happened. So <laughs> coming out Perfect of school, timing. Yeah. no one was hiring. Everyone was laying people off. Um, so at that time, the big thing were blogs and, you know, looking at, um, you know, the dead spins, the bar stools of the world. I've always thought that I had a great opinion on sports, soul, societal issues. I have a fun, humorous way of spinning things up. I met a friend at Hyatt. We were working together. We sat down and we started a company called State Street Sports, which grew from random paragraphs to, you know, tens of thousands of people coming to our site every single day, really pushed out and learned how to use social state street sports. The Twitter page was bonkers for um, a very long time. In fact, I didn't even change the name until about two years ago. And I did that for about three years. And my goal in life was always to work with athletes. That was always my goal. And at state street sports, I was able to do some local events with Chicago athletes, you know, working with uh, Jared Payton, working with Robbie Gold's foundation. And um, I really got good at social. And I really got good at understanding and figuring out that there was, um, it was the Wild West. It was, it was loopholes upon loopholes upon loopholes and athletes literally just saying anything they wanted, spewing stuff out of their mouth and really not figuring out how to monetize they're social at this point. This is pre-influencer. This is pre-Kardashian posts. Um, so um, I happened to meet a um, sports agent who worked at Priority Sports named Mike McCartney. He's moved over to Vayner. He's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man, but he's also a wonderful agent. And uh, we, we got to talking about my love of social, and he thought it'd be a good idea if I can come in-house um and start basically running the internal external social pages for athletes at um priority sports which um, i found a business partner we worked together for a few years just did the social side um, went to a bunch of agencies we're basically helping with consulting and then about two years into that got a marketing to, uh, license to rep athletes, started taking some of the athletes I was working with, started representing them. And basically was their marketing agents, NFL, NBA, MLB. Um, and for about five more years, did the journey <laughs> of essentially using athletes, um, social 
and, and leisure and lifestyle to try to tap into brands and try to monetize. And I took that literally as far as I could. <laughs> I just took that as far as I could until one day I got to nudge my wife who said, literally, um, I will leave you tomorrow if you keep doing this because it's just too much. And to, to get a portion of an athlete's deal that's not the agent to the social and to prove it came from social, it's just a lot. So, look, throughout that entire experience, I was doing the, the pure selling wheel. I was the one who was leveraging to brands. I was leveraging to agencies. I was leveraging the athletes as my clients. I was brokering the deals. So I've always in my life, I've always um, figured out that my, you know, positive side of the sports world has always been the sponsorship, has always been um, the deal making. Um, and after being the agent, I found various companies and then fell into really my path, which is the technology side of sports, which has been my calling and where I've been for the last almost decade. So, you know, I, I found the sponsorship and I, I worked for a company based out of LA that was doing high level sponsorship for uh, Atlanta Falcons naming rights to the stadium and the John Hancock Center. And um, it's a whole different world. And again, I wanted to fall into social. So I actually was contacted by a company called Open Doors. Open Doors at the moment is the world's largest NIL company, pre-NIL. It was an influencer platform, like 5,000 athletes. So essentially, I was doing the same thing that I was doing before, which was pitching 5,000 athletes with an actual backbone, an actual um, plausible, tangible platform, um, and was basically being the middle person between brands who wanted to leverage athletes, pay them to post on their behalf. And it was a blast. It was an absolute blast. Um, and I did that for about two and a half years as um, their first uh, VP of sales. And then I moved over to where I currently am, a company called Telescope, which is, I would say it's sports, but it's more, I'm one foot in, one foot out of sports. Uh, it's where I want to be. I want to be, um, the real money is outside the sports world, but my love and my passion is in the sports world. Telescope is a fan engagement platform. Um, our calling card is we've run the voting for American Idol and The Voice and America's Got Talent and the NBA and the MLS and pretty much anything you've ever voted on in TV or reality. We powered that through our products. And um, through that, we have a ton of gamification concepts, you know, real-time trivia, real-time prediction. Um, we're actually owned by Bally's. Bally's acquired us a year and a half ago. So we're helping with helping to power their gamification while also taking those products to brands and agencies in the sports world and outside of the sports world. And that's it. That's that's been my journey. Um and it's been fun. <laughs> Absolutely been fun. So I mean, it's quite a journey. It's, it's, it seems like you've pivoted a bunch, uh, mm -hmm. but it sounds like towards like the positive, like what advice would you have for, you know, maybe somebody that's just starting out uh, that maybe does want to get in the sports industry of some sort, but doesn't necessarily know where to start. Um, yeah. Could you just like, I don't know if there's any advice you give or any, uh, any thoughts on um, directions that, that, that they ought to pursue. 
my my first advice is go find a job making a ton of money somewhere else and buy season tickets. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, two, I mean, look, I'm I am I would never have been where I am or have gotten without people helping me and putting pushing the elevator back down to me. In the same vein, I do help as many people as humanly possible. You know, I hire I helped hire twelve to fifteen people last year. It's I'm not a recruiter. I believe that good people should get great opportunities. The sports world is about networking. It truly is about networking and really trying to dive into what you want to do because you really got to latch on to what you're passionate about. You can't be general. You have to be flexible. Um, it may take you all over the country into various marketplaces till you find your calling. Um, it's strenuous hours. Um, it's working on holidays, working on the weekends, working very late in the evening, um, consistently getting calls from friends and colleagues to give you free tickets and stuff. And um, look, it's not for everybody. And I think everybody, if they want to, should should intern, get a piece of the, of the pie, understand it, really try to figure out if it's truly a passion. I was told by a professor, my favorite professor in Northwestern, if you draw a concentric circle around the word sports, find your path in through there. It doesn't have to be in sports, but there are ways of intersecting sports, be it into brands that do events in sports or nonprofits or so I think everything and since sports is the most, you know, is the galactic um money spender every single year, you'll find your way in. It might not be the right path. You may have to build your own thing. You may have to be patient. Um, but really, it's if you're a a college grad, someone starting out, don't don't shoot for the stars as well. What I mean by that is don't go after every single VP, after every CMO, after they don't know how to help you because they haven't been in your spot for many many years. My belief is go after the people who had your job the year before or in your shoes the year before because they they had to do the same thing that you did for better or worse. And they know a lot more about what's open and what's plausible. So just because it's a lower title or just because someone's newer in their career doesn't mean they can't help you. And um, it, it's it's difficult when you get someone asking you to help and you just don't know how to help. You can make introductions, but you just don't know what's going on because you haven't been across that for years and years and years. And, you know, now I look back in my years and I always look back and why people never got back to me. It's the same thing. <laughs> it's just, so, um, but there's, there's some really great resources. There's, there's two types of people, people who will literally help you and network and do anything they can for you and ones who will never help you. And it might be your best friend and it might be your uncle. It might be your aunt. It might be your neighbor. It's not because they don't like you. It's just they just don't. It's just not the way they're wired. Some people and there's some people who just love connecting, who just love helping because you never know what's going to come back around. And most likely, your first job will come from your tertiary your tertiary relationship. It's a friend of a friend, and that's how it works. So, but definitely craft what you want, and never ever say the term "you grew up a fan of sports." No one cares because people in sports <laughs> don't treat it like that. It's a business. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, we, I've spoken to somebody else that is in the sports industry. Um, and he says the same thing is like, he works with a lot of, you know, professional athletes and he'll be like, uh, 
just talk to them like normal people because they're normal people in the end of the day. Absolutely. They're, I, you know, I, they put their, they put their pants on the same way that me and you do. It's just, it might take a little longer because they're a little taller and it's, it's, they're behind the scenes. They're as human as can, as can be. They're Mm -hmm. average people with God given talent um, Mm -hmm. who just, or just worked harder than anybody else get where they are. Mm-hmm. But just like everybody else, they need a support system. Nobody knows what to do. Nobody just can figure it out like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but that I would, the truly the most inthor- important thing is net- networking through and through have to at least three to four conversations a day. Just keep chatting, keep telling your story. Mm-hmm. Eventually someone will latch onto it and don't get, don't get discouraged because there's a lot of people looking for the same jobs. It's the most mm-hmm. in-demand jobs you can think of. So. No, for sure. Um, yeah, it's glad, glad that you brought up like your passion for social um, and, you know, how does it integrate with like athletes and stuff? Because, you know, I work in the social, I think that's, I mean, that's how we discovered each other and everything. Um, I work in the social media world too and digital marketing. So i um, curious to know, like, who do you, like, which athletes do you think like have a great digital brand, whether it be on, you know, Instagram, YouTube, et cetera? I've really stopped following athletes to be honest with you. Um, I'm so, so head down. I actually, the thing that's really caught my attention lately has, has been athletes on LinkedIn. I really, I feel like what LinkedIn is doing right now in terms of personalizing athletes and really trying to show the human side is what Facebook was doing and was very successful at doing and then stopped doing. Um, I have really enjoyed seeing, um, athletes who are in college looking for NIL deals on LinkedIn. I've enjoyed seeing college coaches. Um, I love RG3 is absolutely fantastic. I think he's wonderful. He's like my favorite athlete to follow on social right now. His LinkedIn is actually tremendous. It's about him and his journey as kid, his brand new kid. Um, I don't. I don't really spend as much time. I just don't go on. I don't really go on the TikToks and the Instagrams. I'm, I'm just not that interesting. I don't dance. I don't sing. Um, I do deals on them. <laughs> but my platform has always been Twitter. And, tw- and Twitter is, you know, as we know, has changed. But certainly, um, there's just too many athletes to follow now with NIL. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. a whole different beast. But I've really, really enjoyed how LinkedIn has really started to um, bring out these influencers and mm-hmm. and continue their 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 journey in their careers, but also post careers in the business world. It's mm-hmm. it's fascinating because they're doing some intriguing and interesting. I mean the the investments they make and the the businesses they put themselves into and the things they build and. It it seems like it's almost like it's it's their real voice, you know. It's 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 why I personally moved from Twitter, which I loved and adored, and put all my effort into LinkedIn. There's just something about there. Maybe I just got older, um, but there's just something about truly. It's where all the business decision makers are, um, and it's not about. I don't need the viral moments anymore. I don't need the hee haw jokes. Um, I mean, in terms of the athletes, 
I mean, they're doing something. I mean, the numbers they're putting up is incredible. <laughs> I mean, just like these these college kids, it's incredible. I mean, yeah. and being working for a company like Open Doors and seeing, remember, Open Doors really built the NIL experience at Nebraska, mm. and seeing that growth. I mean, I have a different POV. I mean, I watched it hatch. Um, I, the college athletes, the difference between when I was at Open Doors and they were doing this one of the stupidest things and posting absolute garbage and just stuff that would get you in trouble later in life to now where it's clean, crisp, it's, you know, it's, it's pure content, it's branded, it's, it's, it's money, <laughs> it's dollar exchange, <laughs> which is unheard of. Um, that's really, I mean, NIL has really intrigued me just because that's my background. Mm-hmm. And I'd say LinkedIn. Um, the rest of it, I mean, anybody could post a beautiful picture of yourself with filters at sure. a beach or eating food. Um, I always love the athletes who would show their their passion for something. My, my favorite athletes that I um, used to work with and I'm still friends with are the Schwartz brothers, Jeff Schwartz, Mitch Schwartz. I had a blast watching their journey um, and seeing them go from retirement to leveraging their passion for cooking and, 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 and analyzing sports on Fox and Jeff Schwartz is, you know, just a wonderful guy. And the two of them together are just hilarious. And the, the food passion they have to actually being intangible and creating a cookbook and posting this content. It's just, it's just the journey that, I didn't continue by myself. I stopped, but they continued. And it's just mature. It, the whole industry has matured. And it's it's less about it's less about the impressions and the views. It's very much more about the the content. And it's about the experience. And, and it's it's less about the viral haha moments. And it's really about can you start a trend? Um and that's really the thing. Content took over when you know, inflated numbers disappeared. So. I had one question for you on the sponsorship side. Can you just Mm -hmm. like walk us through, you know, your art of making a deal? Um, You don't have to bring out any specific examples, but just, you know, what's kind of been that, you know, recipe as far as, you know, going after uh, a certain person, a certain company and kind of, you know, pitching your services and then, you know, bringing them on board, but then, I guess also just looking at the current economic environment, I mean, what is this like right now for you in sports and sponsorship? And, you know, what are the opportunities that, you know, folks like you are looking for in a time like this? Yeah, um, we are definitely in a belt tightening world. Um, it's been, you know, I'm again, I'm one foot in the door, one foot out of the door in sports. Um, in terms of sponsorship, it depends on what you're, I mean, it really, truly depends on what you're selling. I mean, stadiums it could be anything truly could be anything within like 100 to 200 miles of the off home office of the company which now is different because we've all dispersed um in terms of sponsorship you like to see what other companies are doing in the space and try to it's very much a um a shadow you know if there's a financial company working in an x you'll try your best to get a, a competitor in something similar using their hard work <laughs> to get to leverage that. 
Um, with athletes, it was all about their personality, their college, their high school. Their um, I tried to stay away from things like religion and politics, but you know, I made them write a list of forty items or forty companies their dreams would be to work with. And these doesn't have to be. It's not the Nike. It's not the. It's like the diaper brands and toy companies and the. So to me, it's in the athlete world. It's about storytelling. Um, athletes are purely the influencers, you know, 10 X of impressions and, and views are done by the athletes over the actual teams. Nobody in the social space, someone in content, the team is going to yell at me about this. I'm sure. But, um, you want to see them who's on the back of the Jersey when it comes to social, you follow the athletes. You really don't care as much about what the team is posting. That's more about sponsored deals, posting a, a static scoreboard or past posting that's set that's a calendar that's all set in advance um now there are some funny I mean, nhl is hilarious like that's a whole different world and their social teams are just the funniest accounts to follow and they're funny in person because i'm friends with a bunch of them in terms of the, the art of the sponsorship it all comes down to money um, it really comes down to assets. There's been so many different assets that are added over the years, digital and social. A lot of it has been added on. I mean, I, I'm less right now. Right now, I'm selling my, my own products. Like, I have 13, 14 products that are, that are leveraged by sponsors for experiences. But truly, the art of the sponsorship, it's relationships. Because, I mean, you meet somebody... And and sponsorship people will go and brand people will go from place to place to place. They bounce around all the time. But it's those relationships where it makes sense at that moment. Um, and sometimes it just makes a ton of sense. Like, just should Pickle sponsor Pickleball? That makes, you would think that's a slam dunk to do. But if I look back at some of the deals that were done around me, some are dumb luck. Um, some were, somebody moved to a new company and had a bunch of money to spend. Sometimes it's the actual marketer. They're doing it because, or the owner of the company is doing it because it's a passion play. They grew up being a White Sox fan. They want to invest. They made their money. They want to invest in so-and-so. So it's really, you have to, everybody has their own story. Um, in terms of the negotiation, it can get interesting. <laughs> There's a lot of there's so many, there's broadcasts and there's social and there's digital and there's, you know, assets in game. There's, you know, and now we have all of these other things like OTTs and we have, you know, can you leverage? There's a, just a, a bunch. I haven't done a sponsorship deal per se in a, quite a long time. Um, but friends of mine who do it, I'm always amazed by how the heck they find these companies <laughs> um probably they won't tell you their secret but i will tell you most of the time it's relationships that you know x person worked in an agency moved over to a brand brand has money right call at the right time boom that's how it happens um the more more interesting things are the media the media deals and the the ott deals and the linear tv deals those are the ones that i'm very intrigued by just depending on how people's uh, shifting viewership will be. That's what's really going to intrigue me. Um, and I think social used to be free. <laughs> it used to be just part of the package. 
now it's a whole thing. And now it's athletes are, are investing, have their own investments and things. And so, um, yeah, to answer your question, there is no secrets, but it's an absolute, if you like the, the hunt, it's a blast. It's just an absolute blast because you do roll up your sleeves and you talk big, big deals and you showcase, you know, you showcase a stadium. I'm going to take you to a stadium. You're going to go, you're going to, this is your, this is your second home. Um, so um, I personally, and I, I love when really informative and intuitive people will integrate smart things in, you know, properties or stadiums or, um, I like looking and seeing really, really creative concepts or how they're tying into future technology, how we're leveraging Web3 and Metaverse and how we're leveraging social and streaming. And um, so Patrick, I don't, ha- I don't have an answer of like how it's done. The deals I've done are purely through relationships or when I sell, I put on an absolute show. I have an absolute character when I sell. It's always been the way I've been. Um, I have my own shtick. I have my own style. Selling with passion is what I've always done. Confidence, humor, bad dad jokes. <laughs> and, you know, you there's a lot of shots on goal. You put a ton of shots on goal. Anybody who wants to sell has to be incredibly patient and um, resilient and get used to no it happens a lot more than you can think of but the ones who do say yes it's the greatest feeling in the world it's really it's the best so i know you mentioned uh belt tightening in this time but uh Mm -hmm. i guess as far as it goes like is is this type of period economically just extremely tough or are there ways that you find opportunity or you know get creative in in different ways to you know kind of keep whatever business uh you know you're working on you know float yeah. growing etc i'm just curious the me right now is just recovering from covid you know that's one side of it you know it's terrible and horrible you know friends colleagues in the tech space where i'm in completely washing away tens of thousands of people but and i have no idea why and I don't, ex- I don't accept it. I don't like it. But they're just going back to numbers that were pre-COVID when the marketplace shifted to e-commerce, digital, social. It's the unfortunate reality. So in that sense, that's what's happening with the layoffs. In terms of spending, I work with a lot of big CMOs and agencies who spend in sports. And as of right now, traditionally people don't spend until after the Super Bowl. It's really when things usually start because most people are planning. Super Bowl is the tier one event of the year of it's every industry finding a piece of it. The people who I've usually talked to are usually done, have a budget ready and have started to have a plan in place. There's less and less people this year who know what the heck they're doing. There's a lot of people who are just being, I would say the word is cautious. Um, They're not spending in the frugal industries that we saw like last year. We are not seeing the Web3 NFT metaverse. What the heck was that? Let's go spend 
six, seven figures on NFTs for every activation, yet nobody actually did anything with it. Um, one of the things I like about what I sell is it's relatively inexpensive and inexpensive and it's safe. Um, you know, it's, it's, I, I sell a value in, in um, getting data. You know, I get, I'm able to get your, your opt-in information for every experience you get, which is key. So if you can sell something as a KPI, that's data or engagement um, and really find value, it makes a lot of sense. I'm personally thought this year would be a lot more about social e-commerce. It completely fell off a cliff. I mean, I thought that we'd be seeing every single influencer doing home shopping network on a different influ uh, social site. And most of them have been rejected. I mean, Instagram basically are, they're basically hiding their e-commerce. Um, that surprised me. I really, truly thought that this was that was going to be the big buzz this year. As of right now, based off the depreciation of cookies and and you know first person data, anybody who can get you any sort of data or understanding of who your consumers are or your fans are, it's going to be bought. It's going to be used. Right now, the most dangerous tools, from the, in a good sense, are anybody who can get you value on your data. Um, you're spending. And now you have to, you just can't spend to spend. You have to come back and give some kind of intrinsic value around it. And it has to be through some sort of data. There's a lot of really good data companies out there who can really tell you how a certain sponsorship or a certain buy or a certain thing happened. Um, and they're being tapped by all the big teams and leagues and users and brands. And it'll just get more and more and more valuable because... <laughs> Until we open back up, quote unquote, in terms of having more sense of spending, everything has to have a number across it. So, and yeah. I hope, I hope, and I'm as unprofessional as it comes to predictions, but my hope is um, the start of Q2 will be able to dust off, um, you know, me dust off the sales hat and really go crazy because. The conversations are having are other when they're happening. People are interested. People want to do things. Um, but there's a lot of hesitation. Um, I'll just give you a an anecdotal example. There's less people right now at the Super Bowl during Super Bowl week than have been in the past. You know, usually you'll go down there and you'll party for four to five days. There's a lot less people. No, I mean, it could it be because Scottsdale is not as important or as interesting as an L.A. or uh, I don't know. But the fact is. The free spending has just been put on hold for right now. Um, again, I think and I'm hopeful that Q2 and we'll start it back up again. Um, but I, I'll just sit and I'll sit and I'll I'll make the calls and I'll send out the emails and I'll do the song and dance and hope that they they're ready to buy. But it, it, in a certain hasn't it hasn't hurt it hasn't hurt sports. I mean, attendance is still on fire. Um, you know, viewership is still yeah amazing. I mean, but I mean, player salaries <laughs> they have no problem spending <laughs> reckless amounts of money. That's not the business side. 
sponsorships will still mm -hmm. happen. Things will still happen. They're just being more cautious and they're being, there's gotta be more plan in place and they just can't spend to spend at this point. Um, yeah. Uh, moving on, I think to, uh, another note within the digital marketing world uh mm -hmm. you know uh there was an, a resurgence of the qr code i'm i'm actually just curious like uh <laughs> did you god see an increase god yeah did you see QR an increase <laughs> okay yeah because i i i remember like i'm thinking also like, you know the super bowl and everything like with mm -hmm. i think it was coinbase right last year mm -hmm. um curious yeah. like how the qr code has kind of come back and then like how does that like affect like these kpis and sponsorships because yep. i see it everywhere in any event i go to you know restaurants etc when yep. i remember it was like 2012 it was like or 2010s and all that it was like wait this thing's never going to happen anymore and they even had that yep. tumblr that said uh here's everybody using qr codes and it was it's just blank and then now it's like a, a thing yeah qr codes has and then now it's like a, a thing yeah qr codes has been the best resurgence of anything or any item in my back pocket and paying for my twins and the diapers I had to pay for the first few years of anything. I mean, the QR code is the most, is, is thou holy. I love that damn thing. <laughs> now, <laughs> to explain, to explain, obviously, COVID because of health regulations and being scared to touch a menu and stuff like that, it came around because it was a health protocol. What came out of it was just another tool to leverage your products or to send you to said location. My business and my bottom line and my took off in the event space because of the, the QR code and because it's so simplistic. And I think we're so tapped in our generation, even like my parents' generation, my, my generation, I'm in my 40s. The phone is is our is our best friend. It's our it's our lover. <laughs> it's it's the first thing we first person we see, first thing we see when we wake up, and the last thing we see when we go to bed. Um, but what it's been able to do is bring these these forms of engagement into different verticals. And at first, it was just like menus. So, like for me, my company can put our products, trivia, um, gamification, instant polling in menus. I can put that on QR codes in stadiums. I can put that on end caps in stores. I can put that in giant screens behind big events. So the last two or three years, the event space has really taken off because again, it's safety, it's, it's protocol. We've gotten used to it. It's now a normality to use a QR code. This year, the Super Bowl will be about QR codes and TV. There's going to be a bunch of QR codes and TVs. There's going to be a bunch of QR codes. They're about to start living in OTT. That's going to be start living on linear. Going to be living in under the Hulus. And I love it because I get my products sent in different forms and different verticals. Um, as a uh, engagement above and beyond just the basic post. So, for instance, um, there is a, there are a bunch of companies that are coming up who are doing purely customized QR codes. You'll see a bunch of them on, at the Super Bowl and beyond into March Madness and Valentine's Day. But you'll get data. You'll be sent to a microsite 
that microsite will have some kind of engagement. That's where I want to be. I'll take you to a place through a QR code, and then I can take you above and beyond. Do a sweepstakes. Get a coupon. Get an autograph. Do a trivia. So it's really that next generation. So we've almost like flipped it around, whereas this basic little tool has now given you the power to point people to wherever you want to be. Um, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> how long it lasts? I don't know. But that little tool has been damn cool. And I think we're just used to it now. And it's as simplistic as a, as a quick scan, and it's not that difficult. And you can use it from anywhere, computers and your mobile. And so um, that'll be, and there's one campaign that just launched with like Welch's. Welch's did a, uh, Welch's Grape Juice did a huge campaign with, uh, I forgot what, it's one of the, I forgot what athlete, but it's a QR code on a commercial. And it's that, it's no longer just viewing. It's now you can actually win or get a gamified experience above and beyond just by doing something as simplistic as a scanning. Now, I don't know why or when, because people were using QR codes for the last two or three years on TV. How it just suddenly shifted over. Maybe we're just so entrenched and using it now. It's no longer. And maybe this Super Bowl last year, the simple you know, QR code got so much positive accolades that were like, Someone did a great test on it, set the precedence, and we're going to run wild with it. But, you know, whenever you shoot, when you're viewing sports, the QR code is right next to it in stadium on scoreboard. Um, and it's it's a dream for sponsors because they can get. Get in front of people in different places. Fantastic for them. So and you're not really looking at social when you're shopping or when you're in a sports game all mm -hmm. the time. So it's it's a call out. It's it's. We live in a, you know, an impulse buy. Oh, crap. That's awesome. I want to, uh, that's an easy, I can, I can win a free donut by scanning something. And and if my, you know, my dippy donut number three wins the race, I went, uh, it's simple. The point of everything about that is it's a wonderful tool for the brands and the sponsors to get your data and what they're doing with your data. I don't know, <laughs> but they're customizing. <laughs> yeah. They're figuring out loyalty. They're serving you ads. They're serving you, you know, they're basically trying to figure out their consumers. They're doing that as new acquisitions and as as reoccurring acquisitions. It's, it's just a wonderful tool that's been embraced and will continue. And I hopefully it keeps going because people love using it for my products. So, yeah, I think then we can talk about, you know, uh, the Chicago Bears uh, from there. Uh, I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts on? You know, the Chicago Bears in general, like, how do you think they're faring? You know, number one pick and everything, $100 million cap, Justin Fields. How are you feeling right now? 96, $96 million in cap. But, 96. <laughs> um, not that I'm counting. But, look, I'll take a step back. There mm -hmm. should not be a world that we live in where the Chicago Bears are the closest team to winning a title in this city and unfortunately i think we're there and it, i thought it was my white socks and they ain't going the right direction so look the thing about football in the nfl is you can create a new and successful team 
within one or two years. Just look at Jacksonville. I mean, it's been happened many, many, many times. Now, we do know the Bears had an absolutely foolish, foolish president and GM for years and years and years who had absolutely zero idea what they were doing, especially the last guy. Zero idea. I don't know what he was doing. Now, call it dumb luck. I'm on the field's train. I need to see more. I need to see not one of these, like, the guy can't pass because he can pass. I think the guy was so screwed up by the last regime. And I think he's so used to getting his butt kicked on every single play that unless you move the pocket and get him on the go, it's it doesn't work. Now, there's two things there. A, the receivers are about as good as my local high school. It's just the way it is. So if, if someone doesn't get open, it's not the quarterback's fault. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You only have so many seconds, which leads you to the second problem. The offensive line was absolute horseshit. <laughs> so <laughs> you put those two things together and the fact that the defense was letting anybody and their mother score after they traded everybody, mm-hmm. you're going to have. Now, the fact that Fields did that much as an individual talent speaks high volumes of him. However, you don't want a quarterback running for his life every third play. When it happens, it's great. Josh Allen, it's fantastic. He picks up 15, 20 yards, pocket moves. He steps in, steps up, runs to design play. He scrambles. I don't want him running every third play because he's going to tear every bone in his body, and we're back Mm -hmm. to square one. Now, I do have faith in this new GM. I say that because I'm a a lifelong Bears fan, and I'm I'm trained (laughs) to have hope in every single new concept that comes in. However, the guy obviously made some wise decisions in trading and freeing up a ton of cap space. There was a lot of really garbage signings for a team that did not have a window open who were just going to sit around and just collect cash. Mm -hmm. So I like the fact that he freed up so much money. I do not like the fact that every good receiver was signed last (laughs) offseason. That's not good. (laughs) So, look, it's to build a team, you've got to be good in the trenches. The mm-hmm. Bears are going to have to spend in the trenches. Go get me pain from um, the whoever the hell they're called now. The commanders. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, go get me. Hold on. I just lost you guys. No. Go get me two linemen. Go get me an anchor. So his blind side is not being run by a rookie. Um, I like their look, their coaching was fantastic. I don't know what they did, but their running offense was fantastic. I mean, it was fields, mm-hmm. but that wasn't an issue. Now you've got the draft. The Bears will be foolish to take that first pick and use it. There's absolutely no reason to not stockpile, especially the fact that we traded for who I believe will be a good receiver, but a lot of people are a little iffy. It's going to take time. That kind of receiver, it's all timing. It's all, yeah. it's all patterns. It's not a slot receiver. <clears throat> the bears need an alpha. 
They need an alpha receiver, which they can get. There's trades that can happen as part of the package. Um, look, having worked with them, at, uh, at receivers are divas. They can seamlessly change the course of their future like that. You have no idea who will open themselves up. So let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. Bears need an anchor in the middle on defense. There is They have... For years, when the Bears were good, they had the anchor. They had the McMichaels. They had the Tommy Harris's. Um, you need the run stopper. You need that that A type. The 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 was it the A gap? You need that. Mm -hmm. They don't have that. Um, yeah. You need a speed rusher. They have no pressure on the quarterback. If they trade down and get a get one of the linemen, a Will Anderson or a different type, like I can. You can get to the quarterback. We're in great shape. Yeah, I'm not afraid of running backs. Receivers will work themselves out. We'll trade for one, or who knows? Receivers find the way. They find ways of getting the speed guys, the receivers. I like their secondary. I think it's a pretty decent secondary. I think they have some okay pieces in the defense. But for goodness sake, spend. Spend like you are like spend like you're um like ducktails. Like your screws damn McDuck jumping into the <laughs> there should not be a reason that the Bears are not bringing in two stud offensive linemen, either drafting a, yeah. a defense tackle or a, an end or paying for the top on the market. Um you do a few of that, you trade down, you get better assets, things can happen. Now, it might not be immediate, but you at least see a scheme, which I haven't really seen in terms of like the offense, because honestly, what scheme can you run? But I think the offense, at least the coach, has figured out how to utilize fields without having him stand there for four to five seconds and just get crushed <laughs> every yeah. single third down. Um, I can't give you a prediction. I don't know how they'll be next year, but they're going to spend an absolute have to spend. Literally, there's yeah. a, there's a there's a minimum a right? yeah. floor they have to spend. Yeah, there's some decent defensive linemen, some fantastic offensive linemen, absolutely atrocious receivers. And I'm curious if they add, you know, they go out and they go spend on like a Barkley. Like, go get a stud. Just go. Mm -hmm. It's not a very Bears thing to do. I'd be shocked the Bears would do something like that. But I think, I think that, I think that there's a, a slimmer of a chance <laughs> they can do something. Um, but they're going to have to draft well. And honestly, I was, I was relatively impressed by last year's draft. Pretty decent. Mm -hmm. They found some free agents. They, you know, local boy from a local boy who goes to Wisconsin. Can he be a future stud middle line? Probably not. But can he be a, a healthy contributor as a free agent? That's a find. Right. Bears were really good at the finds, to be honest with you, unless it was like the fourth or fifth rounds. Mm. Um, but look, trading down is going to be looked at. And if I think if you trade down the top four, 
a little more concerned. Unless they get a player that's ready at those positions, be it a receiver or a defensive tackle, I don't want to trade down twice just to acquire picks because then we're just kind of rebuilding. You know, mm-hmm. we're the window is on. You know, the NFL's window is small and it's short. Right. These players are young, and this is the time to be good. <laughs> they yeah. obviously they got the money, they got the stockpile and drafts. They got some, some like three or four actual core athletes. Um. So again. Of all the teams in Chicago, which hardens me because the Cubs probably are have a pretty good chance of being the next good team based off the rebuild. Bears are probably the most coming to fruition team of all them. So yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the NFL, you you have an entire roster. Like, I think has the most players, and I think somebody did a data scientist report on it about. How uh, I think it was the I think it actually was the NHL first, and then the NFL was like the most can change in one off season just because you know a couple player shifts here and there, like things can just change very quickly. So yeah, yeah. it's it's schemes happen fast. It's a it's a mm-hmm. fast it's a fast twitch sport as a talent sense and as an athlete. You have a very small window, mm-hmm. and most of these legacies they come and go. You know, they're good and they're gone. Um, there aren't really many consistent teams who stay great. And that's why you look at the NFL. And that's why it's the greatest sport there is. Because you have a team and you're like, my team could suck the year before. Boom. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden they turn into the Giants and you're like, wow. <laughs> or the Jaguars. Or you put all of your, you put all your chips into a Russell Wilson. And you think the mm-hmm. world is perfect. And everything is lined up and you line the guy up with, monster receivers and great players around him and he absolutely sucks so it's the one league where anything can happen and usually the things you expect to happen don't happen um which is why it's your top sport yeah among others. And then you get, but yeah and then you, yeah and then you gotta trade your first round picked for uh sean payton right or whatever so <laughs> yeah um yeah curious about now your thoughts on like this whole arlington heights like moving Mm -hmm. uh where the bears play to arlington heights uh Mm -hmm. you know as a bears fan and somebody that Mm -hmm. you know has been involved in the business well the most interesting question is who the hell is going to pay for it (laughs) i still don't don't know who's going to pay for it because the mccaskey family is not going to pay for it that's not the way they roll and the state's I don't really think the state's going to be paying for it. Um, so it's all, it's all fun and games. I'm sure something has been figured out behind the scenes, but that's the first question I ask. Now, look, I am, I get yelled at by my friends who live in the city. They hate the fact that the bears are going to leave, come to, they, you know, most of them grew up in the suburbs. They think the suburbs, I, I, they think that I live in Northbrook, that I live in like Detroit. Like they think it's so far away. It's a 25 minute stroll down the highway and you're there. Maybe 30, 35 minutes. Look, in terms of Arlington Heights, do I like the fact that the Bears are going to leave the city? No. I mean, the city, the Bears are, I mean, it's the city is the Bears. It goes hand in hand. That being said, what they can build in that location is incredibly intriguing, both as a 
civic pride building up that area just pure money capital they can get out of it um and and just the things they can build i mean think think of what they can add to the experience an absolute bears hall of fame i mean a glorious franchise somewhat but wonderful history great legacy you know a reason to get up there gonna come up there relatively close to o'hare you know there's a lot of traveling bears fans who can jump on a you know, I believe they're going to be working on the Metra. They're going to have, you know, trains running, which is a huge point of Soldier Field sucking <laughs> through and through. <laughs> Plenty of parking. There's fans in the suburbs. It's not like the suburbs are, it's not like it's the Field of Dreams and it's like one house every 600 <laughs> miles. Like, there's a lot there's a lot going on out here. Um, I mean, I'm, I live 15 minutes away. I'm intrigued. I mean, the amount of restaurants and lifestyle places and food and this could be awesome. I mean, now the important thing is they're going to be able be able to do what Soldier Field will never do, which is a be able to grow, not be a weird looking UFO in the middle of a <laughs> of a major street. You're going to have parking. You're going to have public transportation. You're going to have places to go before and after the game. They're going to build an entire area around it, which is going to be fantastic. Most likely, it's going to be absolutely overwhelmed by gambling, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> to the extent that I'm very curious if that will be the play. The That will be, you know, I'm not going to name names, but will there be a company who that area is called the blank? Whatever, you know, yeah. fill the blank. Someone's got to pay for it, and corporations will go crazy over it. But there's a the other thing that intrigues me is just having an arena that's not the smallest arena or field in the NFL. This is the third largest city. This is the the classic type, you know, team one, two, us and the Packers. We are the NFL to have the smallest stadium with this hungry of fans. Most of the fans who are Bears fans have had tickets for years and years and years. <laughs> it's not. So season tickets aren't as easy as you think, but so getting better access would be fantastic. But with a caveat that everybody who has a ticket needs to be able to keep their tickets. Absolutely. hundred um, percent. But look at what we can get. You give me a final four. You give me concerts all year. You give me exhibitions. You give me bowl games. Um, you give me a Super Bowl, probably one and one only, but Chicago is a sports city through and through. Um, United Center is a class of in itself. It's a gorgeous stadium. You know, Wrigley is a it's a it's a stadium. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's a landmark. It's a landmark. It's a wonderful addition to a city. There's that thing on the south side, which should be where the bear where the bears play now. That's for a yeah. different time. Um, this city deserves a state of the art um, place to watch their beloved bears, and unfortunately, it's got to have to be in the suburbs because there's really nowhere else to put it. Yeah, and because of traffic being a pain and transportation. It's got to go somewhere where they can build absolutely around it 
and not somewhere where they can build in a neighborhood. It's just not there's nothing available unless you got over way, <laughs> way out yeah. yonder. Um, but in terms of access to again to airports to just a different amount of fans, you know, you've got a lot of people northwest, north, you know, northeast. Um, out in Iowa, up in Wisconsin, you've got fans all over the place. The lack of love won't be the same. We've seen this, the precedent with other teams. I mean, 49ers fans don't mind. I mean, it's further away. They still schlep out there. Um, I don't I don't love it, but I think it's a necessity to bring more money and legacy into the franchise. Yeah, uh, yeah, it makes sense. And I think like a lot of the... I think the LA stadium and maybe Vegas too. I think they actually had the NFL like help fund it, like the association yeah. help fund it more so. Right. Um, so hopefully, yeah, it, it isn't the taxpayers like paying for this stuff and not seeing it for tens, tens of years or decades. Right. Um, I don't, yeah. I, that's the question. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's been answered, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. And most of these companies are same are self-funded. These are rich, yeah. rich, rich Jerry, the Jerry Jones of the world. And, Virginia McCaskey is not forking over billions of dollars for a stadium in a million years. And whoever takes, whoever's going to take her, whatever family member takes her place is not going to do the same. There's no, there's no next generation. There's no Wurtz who's just waiting to change, completely Mm. shift the paradigm on what their dad did for better or worse. It's not happening. McCaskies are the McCaskies. They've been that way for decades. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. We Chicago ownership is the absolute worst of any city across the board. It's an absolute shit show. It's an embarrassment. We deserve better. Um, there's young money in this city. There's billionaires all over the place. There's young, there's tons of new money. And we're stuck with these same just fledgling capital shitty owners. And I'm looking right at Jerry Reinsdorf through and through. And he is a <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, it's it's You think you got lucky? Like like with Jordan Who's... and then and oh five uh Reinsdorf. I mean there's no uh, I don't. I don't like the word luck in sports. I mean, I don't think anybody. Look, Akeem Olajuwon was the obvious choice. Sam Bowie was not the obvious choice, and they got Michael Jordan. It took Phil Jackson and a cast of interesting characters and really great players to create that machine, which took a long time. They've been absolute garbage since then. There's absolutely nothing on the West Side for either team right now that's doing anything great. But Bulls are absolute garbage. You move to my White Sox. It's the biggest atrocity in sports. Through and through, they've done more to ruin a good roster, a wonderful, not huge fan base, but very loyal fan base, completely slammed the door in their face, hired a drunk, who had absolutely no reason to be coaching that team completely laughed it up because he's Jerry's boy and Jerry is, is unfortunately too damn loyal. Um, 
and just continue to throw out about a three quarters of a team. It's the most mind boggling. Keep, keep roll. And I'm a season ticket holder. I love the White Sox. My my dog was named Ozzy for God's sakes. Oh. <laughs> it's the most last year was the most aggravating year I've ever watched a sports team. My, of all teams, 42 years old, and I've watched a lot of shitty teams in my life. But to watch this team continuously break down physically and mentally and watch the owner fall asleep, or I mean, watch the, watch the manager fall asleep and just do these these unbelievably stupid decisions, like let's go change, it's 3-1 count, let's go bring in a reliever, like unbelievably unknown, was we the White Sox fan base waited five good years for this to all come to fruition. No, it's not, it's not gone. It's not dead. Mm -hmm. Expectations have changed. We've seen these Cuban players. Some of them are divas. Um, You don't want too many divas on a team. Um, And they continuously feel the team. That's about 75% there. And I do not understand why this team cannot invest in two simple positions, a second baseman and a right fielder. I do not get it. I do not understand it. I do not understand why they keep picking these stupid free agents who have background stories, have injury issues. They're always called these, you know, reclamation projects or somebody will fix them it's it's aggravating (laughs) to literally have no farm team none um and candidly until they they got rid of you know a bunch of the scouts they couldn't draft anything anything up until about three or four years ago it was just terrible draft picks so the white Sox have about four good players in the minor leagues they have a gaping hole, unfortunately, now in the fifth starter role. They have a gaping hole as a closer, which they could not predict. That's, you know, a, a terrible situation. And they have a lineup of about six people. And they're going to take a lot of chances on unknowns. And if you're competing and you tell your fan base that you're competing and you raise your parking prices <laughs> and you raise your ticket prices and you field a relatively big payroll, which is the craziest thing. And then you, res- you do not spend on the final pieces to get to that. When the division is there for the taking, it's a, not a good division. It's in- infuriating. And the fact that the team can't even host their own winter convention is an absolute joke. An absolute joke. <laughs> that is you, not health you, reasons. It's not COVID-related. You, you don't have any <laughs> other insights on that, Dan? I mean, from your your take in the sports world in Chicago, like that's kind of a head scratch. I don't have a take. I don't. I don't have a season. take. It, it's my, my. I mean, if you look, the news came out today. I don't know where it came from, but there was like a poll came out, and their the feedback of fans was absolutely terrible. I mean, let's be honest, they're absolutely afraid of getting in front of the fan base because of what I've been ranting about from to go from (laughs) business Dan to weekend Dan. It's it's, it's aggravating because you're only good for so long and 
we we're not blessed with a team that spends reckless money and can be good every single mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And so they they got a just awesome talent. And it's I think I don't know if it's the talent it's just always injured and we're not quite sure if they're actually good because they're never mm-hmm. playing. They look good for like three or four games and they disappear. <laughs> um, that team can either absolutely be the most heartwarming story of the summer or will absolutely combust and just be an, just will break your hearts. Like you do never want to come back now. Thankfully, it's not Larusa. I do think the manager is well liked by the team, and he will be able to get some effort. Effort only does so much. Talent is through and through, and baseball is really about the team coming together. So, I don't think they really wanted to play as hard for Larusa. I'm hopeful that mm-hmm. the new coach they'll get that out of them. Talk to me again in in ninety days. We'll we'll know a lot more. <laughs> so, gotcha. Yeah, no, for sure. It's. I think we've we've spoken about it. We we do have a segment on. I think, uh, uh second baseman that we want. So we have done Ooh. actually. It's it's which one? Which second baseman would you ideally like want uh, right now for the White Sox? Honestly, I, I, I don't even know. <laughs> it's it's i mean if if i could mm-hmm. yeah all the money in the world all the resources i don't know you know <laughs> i don't like playing i don't like that game that just me. <laughs> on this team i wish that jake Berger knew learned how to play second got really good at yeah. playing second base would love to get that guy in the lineup every single day that's yeah. that's my answer. He's a big boy. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that's going to work. Or, um, I know the Sox have, and and I'm haven't been paying attention to names, but I know like their next big player is a shortstop. So, can we get right. TA to move over to second base and plug yeah. this kid in? Colson Montgomery. Yeah. 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 And I'm with you on Berger too. I mean, if they possibly push Mankata to second base and put him yeah. in his natural position, I mean, there's a thought there. It's just he is a very good third baseman too. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's getting a little bit tricky to play those kind of musical chairs, I guess. And and they're not staying healthy. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is is there were there were periods of last year where a bunch of them were having pretty decent. Mm-hmm periods in a few games and then like they all got hurt i mean i'd never seen a team self-combust <laughs> like that i yeah. mean literally every time you turn around someone else is pulling a hamstring <laughs> so yeah. um i don't have an answer i don't know who like bring me back ray durham how's that for an answer <laughs> <laughs> yeah go to the time machine. yeah pick them up and everything give me ray, yeah. give me ray ray yes so or give me <laughs> give me like a gucci in the first half it's uh, just, just like who the hell is this guy? You know, give me him. Give me a slap hitter like that. Just, um, I don't have I don't have an answer for like the dream dream. <laughs> Probably because I'm 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 trying to evade watching good second baseman, mm. and and trying to block that out of my memory. So, gotcha. All right. Well, I think we can do uh probably some final thoughts uh here um uh. uh Maybe I yeah, would just kick it off to you, Dan. Um, 
you know, curious, like, yeah, do you have any final shots uh, or final shot? I mean, final thoughts. You could take shots if you want. Uh, final thoughts of, you know, either uh, advice you want to give to people or, oh, you know, we'd also love to hear about anything. I know you're a big foodie too. I think <laughs> from what I've seen, uh, do you have anything that you want to share? I'm, I'm really not a foodie. That's the thing. <laughs> I, I want to be a foodie. I'm a, I'm a good pseudo foodie, but. Are you a fatty um, then? I, I think there's like a, yeah, it's like the, are you a fatty or foodie? Or... <laughs> I think I'm like, I'm like the kind of person who's dumb enough to show up to the supermarket hungry and just like buys everything <laughs> and just like, it just sits there. Like that's, um, oh, that new, the new, the Oreo Oreo. Mm. Ooh, that thing I did, I did conquer the Oreo Oreo. That thing, cookies and cream. That is highly recommended. Um, wait a minute what what is this I, i've never heard of the oreo oreo there's an wait. oreo oreo it's like the most oreo oreo and it's cookies and cream and it's like big it's a double stuff Ooh, that's all right i'm i'm checking this thing out all right i gotta take a look real quick i think Carry it's on. like the most oreo oreo or the oreo oreo it's got some it's metaverse oreo, experience oreo. Yeah, if it's an Oreo Oreo, how could it be more Oreo than an Oreo? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but it's to me, it's it's mm. a really good Oreo. And there's a whole like QR code mm. metaverse experience. There you go. Um... Wow. <laughs> man, the most Oreo Oreo. Yeah, I don't, I think it's exclusively at, like my wife got it at Target. So I looked and I was like, what is this fancy packaging? And I just went to town. It's kind of got like a Target you know a, a white and brown target logo behind the monster oreo on the package so oh, that, that'd be some really sneaky branding for someone who's not a fatty or not a foodie it's a good <laughs> tagline um i would go with hell yeah oh yeah destroy just encourage you encourage you i mean it's tough because the north like the north shore the food sucks so I'm not exactly surrounded by. Um, so, in terms of like slim pickings for like the Super Bowl, like you're gonna get, you're gonna get deep dish. <laughs> I mean, let's go. <laughs> gonna get deep dish. Um, but I would stock up on the Oreo Oreo. Absolutely, absolutely. Now I don't know what you're drinking. Doesn't matter. If you're winning your bets. Doesn't matter what you're consuming because it all tastes wonderful. That's what I say. Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds that sounds amazing. I think I'll have to check it out and everything. I'm actually going to be going to uh, to New Orleans like Super Bowl weekend. So um, I I feel like once I return after that, because uh, that's going to be diabetes in and of itself. Uh, I'm gonna have to come <laughs> back and get some uh, Oreo Oreos. I feel like so There's... I'm like trying to eat salads and stuff. So <laughs> right now doesn't matter. Have you ever been to New Orleans? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I uh, I haven't, I haven't, but like right now, oh, like yeah. I'm trying to like slim down or like you know, no, it's not uh, pop. It's it's, <laughs> it's absolutely, and I've only been a few times. Yeah, but they put ridiculous amounts of everything, additives, sugar, mm -hmm. just cause, and <laughs> you can't you can't escape a meal without going like, God damn, that's that's a lot of food, and. It's like all the like, you know, it's like the the coloring and the, you know, like the, mm. the MSG and the additives. And you're just like, my stomach, just you're going to get fat for like yeah. at least a weekend. You'll get you'll get there. 
but yeah. <laughs> what would you recommend i'm looking right now because i haven't been in a few years my brother-in-law is from new orleans and there's mm. an absolute wonderful there's a place right now and i can't remember the name that has um charboiled oysters mm. and i can't i'm trying to look right now and it's like my favorite meal like i went i if it's still open <laughs> i will get yeah. you a name but it's charboiled <laughs> oysters wonder i mean the po boys but not the po boys like go to like the neighborhoods like go yeah. around to the area and like get away from the french quarter and go eat some just awesome po boys the food is fantastic mm -hmm. um the drinks will knock you on your ass okay. <laughs> It's just they sugar coat them, and I mean I've gone for bachelor parties. So from what I remember, <laughs> it's, it's, I, but do I can't remember the name. It's driving me. It I probably recommended it to like, and now they may have closed. I mean it's been like five years since I've been there. Sure. But if you can find char broiled oysters, oysters. Okay. that's really good. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, my I'm very much looking forward to. I mean, have, did you try Cafe Dumont? Or like that? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Did. Is, is it okay or what? Or yeah, it's fine. It's just you wait in line for sugar. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's no different gotcha. than. It's no different than any like. You know, uh -huh. Go look. Go walk around the West Loop. It's the same thing. You'll stay in line for three yeah. blocks for a donut or for a yeah. They're doing yes. cookies now. Yeah, yeah, gourmet cookies now. So, oh, are they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a Levain's now. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I would, I would. That's my favorite cook. I haven't been to the one in Chicago, but the one in New York. Yeah. yeah. Every time, I would absolutely. Um, yes, I would. That was definitely a go get because mm -hmm. I've had the new. I don't know if it's the same. I don't know if it's the whole like New York water makes it better type thing. Right, right. I, I haven't about the Chicago cookie i can't imagine it's worse <laughs> sure it's just as good that, yeah that cookie is that's a yeah so yeah gotcha um cool. besides that jeez besides that buckle your seatbelt, hang in tight it's, it's just been a 2023 has been a it's february 7th and i feel like it's december like yeah it just feels like <laughs> just it just feels like in all things in my life but all things just looking it just feels like it's been like six months in six weeks and yeah. i mean truly to go revert back to the original you know the, the beginning of this conversation just truly tap into and play into who you've who you trust and just truly build up that network and just you're absolutely foolish right now. If you are job seeking, if you're not job seeking, if you're new in the industry, if you're not new in the industry, if you're a veteran, everybody should be networking in some way, shape or form. It's mm -hmm. the only way to truly understand what's, what's going on out there and to get various POV, um, invest in QR codes, <laughs> <laughs> keep buying the QR <laughs> um, Yeah. My purse, I've done more like my business. I've done more sweepstakes in the last nine months than I've ever done of anything in my entire life. 
keep doing sweepstakes and calling me. Um, but look, I mean, look, we're Chicago sports fans will probably have a very long 2023. There's really nothing that I can see that gets me to jump up and down in the morning and say, this is going to be really awesome. Ain't nothing out there. I'm more excited about Kansas football than I am about the Chicago bears. And that should never happen. <laughs> <in a major laughs> um, there is nothing for us to get excited about. Chicago fans have been spoiled. We've won a lot of championships. Might be your team. It might not be your team. I'm 42 years old and I've seen every single team in my life win a championship. It's pretty damn cool. So um, enjoy those memories, embrace those memories. And frankly, I always say now, every like, look, Kansas won the championship last year. I've seen three in my life now. It was just awesome. You know, it was just, I watched it with my kids. They had no idea what was going on. Still, enjoyed it dressed up in little cheerleader costumes i have two little girls any win just enjoy embrace like mm -hmm. to me anybody who wants to work in sports or enjoy sports has to understand that there's a whole world behind it it's just a business mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just a business um and don't let it ruin your life because it's just a game truly which sucks because i hate saying that <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> yeah no yeah but yeah to so your point like yeah, we we're talking about athletes like they're just people too so yeah yeah look yeah. there's there's money around the sports world there's monetization through gambling mm -hmm. through fantasy through this through that they're just people and people can be incredibly cruel to them um, and just flat out mean and cruel and mean. I mean, again, they're just people. I mean, like they're no different. They're no. They're not demigods. They're the same age as us. They wipe their ass the same way we do. Mm. Put on the clothes the same way we do. They just could pay a lot more money to mm. entertain. So, um, but it's the absolute world's greatest reality show. And it's the absolute world's greatest lifestyle, which is in and being around sports. It's fantastic. It's a, a very small club that loves each other and understands that they're damn lucky <laughs> that they're in that space. Um, so. Got it. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, uh, I guess my fountain. I'll, I'll let Pat take the final. I think he's got an Applebee's thing. Uh, he wants to get off his chest. So I'm definitely up for that. Um, but I guess uh, my take, you know, it is, you know, uh, I know we're shooting this on uh, uh, February 7th, uh, but uh, I think for the Super Bowl, I think I'm kind of reflecting on some past Super Bowl performances. Uh, I think, you know, for me, it was, um, uh, you know, listening or seeing, uh, was it Coldplay and then also Beyonce and then uh, Bruno Mars uh, perform. Mm -hmm. I think that was my favorite one. Um, I guess I'm maybe open up to everybody. You know, what was like maybe one of your favorite Super Bowl halftime performances? Uh, I can start with you, Dan. Hmm. Um. <laughs> 
I, I mean, look, I, I want to say, and I will come back and I've watched the Prince performance time and time and time and time and time again. Um, I don't really remember it, but it was mm-hmm. truly awesome. And I don't want to remember it because of the game, but yeah. Prince was fantastic. Michael Jackson was fantastic. Beyonce was fantastic. Um, last year was the awesome. I'm old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm intrigued by how isn't isn't MTV off? It's now produced by somebody else. So I'm intrigued by how they do it differently this year. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, the Super Bowl really has completely changed with gambling. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, I could care less about commercials i've been ranting for the last week i can't stand seeing the stupid ass commercials before the game i want to be surprised um i gambling has completely changed. for me yeah. i could care less i honestly care more about the gambling than the game because frankly i don't have any skin in the game my team is not gonna be there anytime soon i don't want to win a lot of money <laughs> i want to feel <laughs> smarter than my friends yeah. by gambling correctly it's completely changed the game it's literally and figuratively and I do want to add one more fat tip in terms of like where you should go. If you are around Chicago and you are not consuming Buff Joe's and getting a chance at getting Buff Joe's for the Super Bowl and you're not ordering by tomorrow, probably you're doing it wrong. <laughs> because <laughs> Shout out Buff Joe's. Just going to put Buff it out Joe's. there. Yeah, Buff yeah. Joe's. Man. Get Buff Joe's. Let's get them out as a sponsor. So <laughs> for sure. Maybe that so guy who, uh, yeah, yeah, the older guy the runs greatest, the back. I don't have the greatest performance. I don't know. Super Bowl. <laughs> is gotcha. Um, Pat, what about you? Last year, last year's was really cool. Just as yeah. being a 41-year-old 90s rap fan going like, oh, I yeah. know that there's a bunch of 20-year-olds just going, screaming their heads <laughs> off, going, like, what is this garbage? <laughs> <That> <laughs> was, to me, that was fun. So, yeah, yeah. Pat, what about you? I mean, I'd have to give a shout out to uh, the Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson performance. I mean, I thought that was incredible. Uh, you know, just the uh, the wardrobe, uh, you know, just in general, you know, just thought they did a great job coordinating everything, you know, just everything hit the right spots at the right time. Uh, <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I don't, I don't know if I really like get into the halftime performances as much i mean i think in recent years i thought Katy perry's um Mm. just the aesthetics around her show was really cool like having her come out in a a giant like lion (laughs) robot for the most part i thought they did a really great job at like costumes lights i think they do a great job at like setting up that whole performance um i will echo what dan said though about the rappers last year i thought that was pretty cool to like have all the guys come out that we you know bought the albums for and you know, maybe when our kids get older, we can show them what CDs are and, you know, try to see if they can figure out what they, what they're intended to do and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, just like all those, all those folks, we had their albums growing up. We, you know, emulated them so, a lot in, you know, our sports and everything else. So the the question, and I'll turn the table on you guys, I'm sick of being asked questions, is <laughs> if there was a performer or a band who has not performed in the super, halftime Super Bowl, and that would be your ideal performance be it one or a series of artists who would be your dream halftime show oh man that's a good question that is a great question oh man 
Um, I might have to go with, well, they're dead. Uh, <laughs> I, I would actually go Avicii. Um, I think he would be great uh, halftime show. I know it's like the whole DJ thing and who the heck are these people type of thing. And uh, these young kids stealing everything and being on TikTok and all that. But yeah, the late Avicii, he would have been like, for me, uh, a great halftime show, I think, uh, you know, with uh, the music and everything and just kind of having that upbeat at attitude. But I know that they try to pair it, uh, you know, but that was the whole Coldplay, uh, uh, Beyonce and um, Bruno Mars thing is that they used to try to pair like a more like like a rock star figure with like an R&B or, or hip hop. Um, so if I were to pair, maybe this is where it gets interesting, Avicii with anybody. Ah. Uh, hasn't done it yet um maybe Ray i go with Ray Durham. i mean hey you know <laughs> it's like pop him up and then see hey maybe there you can play second base too like <laughs> ready as well sign him up um yeah no let's see uh i don't think nas i don't think nas has done mm. it right so yeah maybe like nas and then <laughs> I don't yeah, like again, fictional world. Yeah, like somebody like Avicii. I, I think that would be kind of a, that'd be kind of crazy. So something like that. Yeah, so I think once Virginia McCaskey, you know, ends up selling the Bears or, you know, all all decision making to get the Bears out to Arlington Heights, they host the Super Bowl there. You know, I just love to see like Common, Lupe Fiasco, maybe have a feature of like Twista come in and just like take over Chicago. Maybe you bring in like John Belushi and some other guys like dress up as the blues, blues brothers, you know, maybe get some other blues folks out on the, on the field that day, but just make it like a pure Chicago representation for the Super Bowl. So if they ever did anything like that, um, you know, sign me up. I'll watch the, you know, the full 30 minutes of that for sure. Okay. So how about I you, Dan? I have a two part show and this is just, <laughs> I've got the first 10 minutes, got Billy Joel and Elton John. The back half, give me Pearl Jam. Mm. There you go. That's I don't know how one. the hell they're gonna. I don't know how you flow one from the other. <laughs> I don't see Billy Joel doing even flow, but um, <laughs> you got a good bridge guy from Seattle that can just like sneak their way in the middle there. I guess. Yeah, you can go get me Dave Grohl. There um, you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can Dave Grohl can do a little piano man duet. And then transition. Mm. <laughs> wow. This is like a production meeting coming on right here now, I feel like. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, do it out in Quest Field. That'd be that'd be perfect. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Pat, what's uh what's your take? What do you what do you got to share? So I have absolutely no food today. Um, Dan, we usually have final thoughts and we we touch on you know food related news or you know restaurants we've tried things that we don't like in the food space and stuff like that but uh actually uh, i was working out the other day um i'm in the you know somewhat of a boot camp but they put on you know music for all of us to train to and stuff and i'm not kidding um the fox sports uh football theme came on for about a minute and was just playing straight you know and i was just trying not to laugh the entire time because i've just never heard that outside of a football sunday so it just got me to thinking while I was like trying not to laugh, trying not to break from my, you know, my exercise or whatever. But, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you guys, what are your favorite uh, theme songs of all time? I mean, this could be sports. This could be, 
media, uh, you know, anything you really touch on. But, uh, you know, why don't we start with Wayne uh, and see what he's got for maybe a favorite a favorite theme song? A great question. Um, man, I think in terms of like things that I just find memorable, like a nice jingle or something that just kind of sticks to my brain. Um, I got to go with like 773202 <laughs> Luna. I feel like the fact so you that can I get, just remember so you can put that. that put Habavici doing do all the, the classic Chicago. Have him doing Eagle Man, have him doing Empire, have him doing Luna, have him doing Cars for Kids. There you go. So <laughs> that'd be nuts. Yeah, yeah. All accessible by QR code. I think we just solved like all the world's issues here now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Good. yeah. But yeah, buy yeah, buy it on iTunes or whatever. Or yeah, heavy Kirko, you could buy it. All proceeds go to funding the second baseman of the White Sox, though. So. <laughs> oh yeah, that sounds awesome. But yeah, seven seven three two two Luna. I feel like that's a staple, you know. So <laughs> I uh I could listen to one shining moment. And you have to understand, I'm a Kansas guy who for years has lost in the first rounds or upset by another mid-level B school, be it Pucknell or Bradley, um, <laughs> who did not want to listen to One Shining Moment. But it hits different when you win, and it hits different when you hear it after you win throughout the entire season. Um, but the CBS college basketball theme song gets me so ready to run through a damn wall it is unheard of that's the ultimate theme the one question i have and now that it's too off topic why does fox play the injury tune when someone's injured they have like a musical ensemble yeah. <laughs> they go off to, i will never understand why they need a musical ensemble to go off to commercial i still understand that one yeah, it goes like what did it did it or something like that. Like it's or, very sad. Like it's yeah, just, it's it's, it, it's on that note, Wayne. But then it's just like kind of kind of somber. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like drawing yeah. like that for sure. Don't, I've I've never liked that. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like a episode I, of CSI or something. Like I don't. Yeah, I, guess. <laughs> I can I do in terms of like TV. I will jam out to Succession's theme song. That song will get me going. That's on. Mm-hmm. That is on the mix. Um, mm-hmm. that's a good one minute, 20 second boom. It's over. I will enjoy. There's a, just so you know, the NFL theme song. I'm a Palatoner. The on Sundays, they have a NFL theme ride during the season. And that's the kickoff. The first minute of that every Sunday with that, that song, they, they used to know they still do, but <laughs> it comes on, which it's a little strange to, it is strange to work out to, uh, those themes. Um, besides that, you know what? You know what truly is the greatest in stadium, which started by the White Sox, is na 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 na. Hey hey, goodbye. Mm-hmm. You listen. You watch any single college basketball, college football game that has doesn't just just like a random game. That's always always sung by mm-hmm. the fan section, and that was that was. Nancy Faust definitely started that. What a day. I, I just, I, it's interesting. I was talking with a client of mine, actually, 
a client client uh, you know it's more my job uh, about Nancy apparently he knows her personally and this mm-hmm. is just all within today actually so it's kind of full circle that it's it's all mm-hmm. happening right now uh, I he asked me where I'm from I I said I was in Chicago he's like oh are you a White Sox fan or a Cubs fan I said White Sox fan and then he's like oh my neighbor is Nancy Fouts and and he he he, he makes like YouTube videos you know I can you know, uh, share his information and stuff like that. But his intro to his YouTube videos is Nancy actually like, okay. making, like I know, like that's pretty badass, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> I d- there's no way you thought you'd hear Nancy Faust's name twice. A no, time. this is like, crazy. There's no, <laughs> there's no bingo card that has that. Happen. There, I feel like I should take a shot or something, but I'm not in New Orleans yet. So yeah. <laughs> that's you're going to, you're going to have to sing na na na. Hey, Hey, goodbye. While you're taking goodbye. a shot and upload that for, yeah yeah an homage an homage to um the white Sox having a wonderful marketing (laughs) department for years and years and years and years which has always been wonderful but not having the talent to go along with it at times yeah 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 if only it just matched that but not for sure so i i I haven't eaten today so i have nothing to tell you uh did i eat i had a a protein shake and I had to do a bunch of pitches in the city. I was stuck in traffic all day. Sucks. Oh, man. <laughs> Being the birds is not fun. It's not the same. Um, I had nothing. I've got... If you live in the North Shore, there's a place... I used to love Michael's in Highland Park. Mm. Wonderful. Used to. It's new ownership. Now it's good. There's a place in Northbrook called Grill House. Really good. Like hot dog, hamburgers... It's fantastic. It's in Northbrook on Dundee. Incredibly biased because I eat it almost every single third day. It hits. It hits. And there's not a lot of good food out here. It's just there's not. It's, we're limited. We're limited. I there's no Applebee's you can go to? Or, <laughs> or TGI Fridays? Hooters? Yeah. Well, is this just Hoots now? Or who? Hoots? Yeah, the, 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 yeah, the fast casual Hoots. thing, right? Yeah, th- yeah, I think it's yeah. They're going hoops now. Yeah. Wait, you guys are ki- you guys are kidding yeah. me? There's like a fat. I think it's the fast yeah, casual yeah. version. I believe. Um, oh, I think they're there's. I think there's still cooters, they're right? It. <laughs> Wait, please well, no. Uh, how do to to save this as PC as friendly as I can? Apparently, hooters <laughs> are just not as popular as they used to be. Oh, we, we've heard. Um, yeah, we, we've definitely heard that. I'm just, uh, okay. I'm just kind of wondering. Like, does, double, does Hoots, do they wear like or, turtlenecks and sweatpants now? Or what's know. going on? All right. I think it's, uh, I think, yeah, I don't, I don't. <laughs> But that's, that's, it's all, there is no, no, it's just, there's nothing out here. I mean, there's stuff, but it's, yeah. it's not the same. You gotta go to Arlington you Heights. You don't move. Arlington Heights in a few years will be good, but it'll just be you know it'll be Capitol Grill and Cheesecake Factory and yeah. you know it won't be originally like there'll be like a you know a Geno's and there'll be a, probably an Applebee's. Um, there'll be a bunch of like commercialized places who have locations. You know you'll probably get like a Whataburger or something magical like that there. They're not. It's not going to be the traditional 100-year-old family Italian restaurant that's been, you know, on the little corner that's been built around that you have in Chicago. No, it's going to be, yeah, yeah. But it'll be good food. You'll get fed. You'll get drunk and fat and happy. 
and that's all that really matters, right? <laughs> the end of the day. <laughs> um, Wayne, did you have anything else uh, for today's episode? I think that was it for me. Um, but uh, I guess thank you, Dan, for you know showing up, uh, providing a good sense of humor, as well as some musical references uh, during your time and ages. So uh, very much appreciate you having you on, talk about sports, talk about the sports business. Uh, Nancy Faust, uh, White Sox, Bears, et cetera, et cetera. So very much appreciate it. It's a pleasure. It's fun. Let's do it again. <laughs> uh, Thank you, boys. Yeah, thanks, Dan. And, you know, with that, that's the uh, Ball and Breakfast podcast. Uh, subscribe, like, comment. Uh, you can follow us anywhere. Um, Instagram. Uh, we are also on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. So find us wherever we are, and uh, we'll be back next time. Thanks a lot.